you know, in the natural, that makes sense. But how powerful is that in the spirit? You know, it's the power of covenant. It's the power of partnership. It's the power of shared values and shared vision. And, and uh, that's what we have with Christian International. That's what we have with Apostle Jane. And so recognize, even though she's a quote-unquote guest speaker, we are in covenant. We are already a part. And as she invests into us, it invests into Christian International. As we invest into Christian International, it invests into us. And so we empower one another. We build one another. We, we come to a point where we recognize that out of those relationships, so much is established in the spirit. And a lot of times there's favor, there's blessing, there's increase, but we don't always recognize the source of those things. And isn't it in covenant where God commands the blessing? That's the empowerment to succeed. So today, without giving all the accolades and all the things that she does and how she travels, you know, half a million miles a year, whatever it might be, the fact is, this is family. She is family. And we're in partnership together. So don't just read you know, receive her as this guest minister, receive her as our family. We welcome you and we honor you. Thank you so much. And I totally feel that. That is, that is absolutely how I feel being here. Um, and I have some of my family here. My daughter is here. So wave at everybody, Crystal. She drove over from New York City yesterday. So that's really, um, really exciting for me to be able to see her for just a few minutes. Um, uh, it's good to be here on a Sunday morning. You know, um, uh, there is something about being in a family church. You know, there's something about the covenant of family, walking with family, week in and week out, walking through different people's uh, trials and difficulties and praying for one another, knowing that you've got a place to go where you're going to be loved and you're going to be cared for. And uh, just with that said, I just I think it'd be great if we could just honor your leaders, uh, um, Apostle Steve and Melody, and just bless them today. You guys are a blessing to us. And family to us. We, I was trying to figure out how long it's been that we've, over 25 years that we've been walking together, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's something that's powerful, you know, that to have that longevity of relationship. Um, so this morning, I kind of want to give a, a message to this family church, okay, and uh, some things that the Lord, I just feel like, wants to really encourage you about today. Um, as I was, I told my daughter uh, last night before we went to bed, she says, do you know what you're preaching? And I said, oh, I have an idea, but I'll probably have a dream. And I did. So, <laughs> um, and so um, I, I really can see that, that this local church, and when I say a local church, I understand that you have quite uh, an extensive translocal um, effect. And so it's kind of like, coming home so that you can branch out. If you will, like it's a picture of a tree that's got roots that go deep, but branches then that can actually stretch out wide as a result of the fact that the roots go down deep. And I really felt like the Lord said that he's bringing this, this local ministry expression into a birthing season. Okay, he's bringing you individually into times of birthing. He's bringing different aspects of this church and ministry into a time of birthing. How many of you have a personal vision for some things that you feel like God has called you to do? Okay, like three of you. Okay, let's try that again. How many of you have like a personal vision of something that you feel like God's called you to? So when a, a corporate word like this comes, I want you to understand that it has an individual effect for each one of you. Now, um, for any of the ladies here that have ever given birth, you understand that it's like, yay, we're pregnant. And then you go into a little bit of a discomfort. Okay, everything stretches, everything uh, has pressure, everything squeezes, but then it all produces the birth. I feel like you guys have actually been pregnant for quite a while. Okay, I'm not speaking about a, a birth, and, uh, I'm not talking about a pregnancy announcement. I feel like you're coming into the season to give birth, okay? And the birthing experience sometimes can be intense, but 
the joy that comes after the birth is amazing. And I feel like you're coming into a time that is an absolutely amazing season of birthing. You, you're birthing things that are going to change this region. You're birthing things that are going to change the world. Um, I believe that you're going to see a lot more coming and going uh, to the nations out of this little house in the corn, this little church in the cornfields. We drove through a lot of cornfields driving here today. Um, I turned to Crystal today during worship, and I said, isn't this amazing worship for the middle of the cornfields, okay? Now, listen, I understand that um, sometimes it can feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, but I want you to know you're actually in the middle of everywhere, okay? Um, when Christian International moved to, um, it, we currently are Santa Rosa Beach, but when we moved there, it was Point Washington. But before it was Point Washington, it was Hogtown Bayou. <laughs> Aren't we super excited we don't have to put that on our stationery? Christian International, Hogtown Bayou, okay? Sometimes you can feel like you are out in the middle of nowhere, okay? Um, but we've actually found out that we, that we touch the nations both by sending to the nations and by receiving from the nations. And that, that CI DNA is all over this, this house. And you really are, are strategically positioned to be able to minister to so many people and such a far outreach. I know yesterday we had, what, five or six states at the regional, at six states and D.C. here at the regional meeting. And so I, I just really believe that there's going to be an intensification of the, the birthing process that's going to come out of here, the, the music that's going to come out of here, the businesses that are going to come out of here, the, uh, uh, the, the missions and the outreach that is going to come out of here, the justice causes that are going to come out of here. Um, I, I believe that you're coming into a time where it's almost like uh, a, a multiplication, a rapid multiplication of vision that's going to come because it is a birthing season. And when a birthing season comes, it's like it's not just an individual house giving birth, but it's the individuals within the house giving birth to the vision as well, the things that God's put inside of you as a passion. So I want you to turn with me to um, uh, Luke chapter 1, okay? And we're going to read a scripture. And you know, I think that we're in a very interesting season in the body of Christ because as we shared over this weekend, uh, this month, this is now October the 1st, right? Uh, last day of this month, October the 31st, will mark the 500 year of reformation for the church where the church began to restore the truth that was in the scripture to say, you know what, we're not saved because we pay indulgences to a priest. We're not saved because we do certain works and uh, keep certain sacraments, but we are saved by faith through grace. Amen? And the scripture even says, even that's not of you. You can't even boast about that because God's the one that gave you the faith and the grace, okay? And so um, what we understand is that we are in a Reformation season. And so I want to talk about um, this morning, I want to use a, a scripture out of Luke chapter 1, which speaks about Mary and how Mary gave birth to Reformation. How Mary gave birth to something that changed the world, now, you might feel like, wow, I don't know if I can change the world, but you can change your world, okay? And as enough of us change our world, then we can change the world, okay? Um, and, and I want you to understand that releasing and birthing your destiny is really not so much about you, because what we have to understand is that inside each one of us is somebody else's destiny, so it's not really just about me fulfilling my call. It's about birthing what God has put in me so that other people can find their place of purpose and can find their place of destiny. Okay? Um, our, the, the father of this ministry, Bishop Hammond, uh, actually was saved, of, if you know his story at all. He was from the, I mean, back, back hills of Oklahoma. Okay, when Mom Hammond married him in the mid-1950s, and she went from Washington State down to where, uh, where he lived and where his parents were, 
she said to him, I am not going back there again until they at least get an outhouse. She said, oh my God, I've married the Beverly Hillbillies, okay? Seriously, I mean, we're talking about country, backwood country. They had a trail that went into the woods, okay? And yet there in the middle of nowhere, really, really, I mean, how many would agree that's pretty well qualifies as middle of nowhere, okay? There was a, a woman evangelist, we don't even know her name, and she was traveling from town to town holding these what are called brush arbor meetings. And uh, back in the South, what they would do is they would come in, they would cut down some trees to use kind of as as benches. Uh, they would uh, take some of the, 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 the limbs from the tree and kind of fashion a little bit of a, a covering uh, that would kind of keep the direct sun out. And that, that was called a brush arbor. So it was like a little camp meeting, a little evangelistic meeting out kind of in the woods. And um, at that time, uh, Bill Hammond was a uh, 16-year-old, a uh, little bit of a rebel. My daughter says punk, okay? He kind of was. I mean, he, he was uh, not, a, not a great guy. He wasn't saved. And he actually went to that Brush Arbor meeting to mock what was going on. And he went because he liked a girl that he knew was going, okay? But standing in the back, and he and his friends kind of mocking what was happening at this Brush Arbor meeting, all of a sudden he heard the gospel for the first time. And before he knew it, he found himself coming down to the front and answering the altar call and giving his heart to Jesus, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and from that point forward, his life was radically changed, the next day, that lady packed up and moved on. And you know what? We don't even know what her name was. And that young 16-year-old boy grew up to be the father of the modern prophetic movement, who's prophesying to kings, who's changing the destiny of nations today from the middle of nowhere. Literally, from the middle of nowhere. Now, this whole story is not about him. It's about that woman. Because, see, inside of her was somebody else's destiny. And when we obey God, and we do what God has asked us to do, it releases others to do what God has called them to do. And that lady's probably going to be super shocked when she gets to heaven, and she's like, really? That's what came out of that? I thought he was a punk. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so inside of you is somebody else's destiny. A friend of mine, Nancy Alcorn, pours into a lot of young, broken women. She has a ministry called Mercy Ministries or Mercy Multiplied. And this is what the Lord said to her years ago. He said, he asked her, who is on the other side of your obedience? Because there's always somebody on the other side of your obedience. Let me put it this way too. There's always somebody on the other side of your disobedience. Come on. When we disobey God, how many know that affects people? It doesn't actually just affect you. If inside of you is somebody else's destiny and we don't answer the call and we don't obey God, who knows whose lives are being affected? Okay, so what we have to understand is that God wants to birth through us that which will change the world. And so I want to read out of Luke, okay? Let's read uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going to talk about Mary, okay? And, uh, and, and just talk about this for just a minute. Uh, a friend of mine said that uh, Jesus was born because Mary had an immaculate contraption. Okay, so... <laughs> All right, so that's what a kid said. All right, now, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. All right, it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Turn to the person next to you and say, Rejoice, favored one, God is with you. 
<laughs> and then he went on to say, blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. See, to birth the things that God's asking us to birth, we need favor with God. Don't be afraid, Mary, if you found favor with God. In verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. He was telling her, you're not just going to birth a baby. You're going to birth a revolution. You're going to birth a reformation that's going to change the world today. And what changes the world today is going to continue to change the world to the end of time. Okay? He will be great. Okay. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I don't even know a man. And the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. How many know that that's what was happening today in worship? There was an overshadowing presence of the Holy Spirit. And he says, therefore, that Holy One which is to be born shall be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for who, her whom had been called barren. Here we are in Elizabethville. Isn't that interesting? Okay. <laughs> six months pregnant for her who had been called barren. Verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Say that with me. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. <laughs> let it be unto me according to to your word. So I'm going to just talk for just a minute about if we're going to birth something that changes the world, here's just a few things we've got to do to get ourselves in alignment and to get ready for it, all right? Number one, we've got to shift our mindset out of just thinking naturally and into a supernatural mindset. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. How many of you have a vision from God? How many is that vision impossible? <laughs> if it's not impossible, it may not be from God. If it's impossible, it's probably from God. Okay? That's a pretty good judge of how to tell whether or not something is from God. If you can accomplish it on your own, then your vision is not big enough. And I think so. for so much in the body of Christ, the church has lost the ability to dream bigger than our own natural resources, bigger than our own natural abilities. And I believe in this season of time, God wants us to dream really, really big dreams. I believe that God has put dreamers at the head of this ministry, and I believe that God wants that to trickle down on every single one. I believe that God wants to give you great visions for the businesses God has called you to, for kingdom impact that God wants to bring through you, for nations being changed through you for all the money that it's going to take to need to do all those things. Come on, we need to start dreaming, dreaming bigger than our pocketbook. We need to start dreaming bigger than just what our current resource situation is. Okay, every time we made an advancement with CI, it was with zero dollars in the bank. <laughs> and Bishop would come to these meetings and he'd go, we're going to do this. We're going to build a building. Okay, you realize we didn't pay payroll last week, right? Come on. How many know that God loves to speak to us things that are bigger than us? And so we've got to have the ability to shift our mindset into a supernatural. That means beyond natural, above what's natural. We've got to dream bigger about the things that we believe God wants to do for us, through us, and in us in this upcoming season so that we can be those that birth something that changes the world. Now, um, there's a, a, several different scriptures in, uh, uh, in Proverbs. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So I want to challenge us today as we're thinking about this, how do we think in our heart? What are we thinking about? What do we think about ourselves? 
Come on, Bishop at some point had to shift out of being um, a backwoods country hillbilly. He had to shift out of that mentality that the only ones he was going to affect on earth were his daddy's cows. Okay? He had, to get, he had to make a shift in mentality to believe that he could be more. And I believe that as we shift into that mentality to say, you know what, I can be more, I can do more, God can use me more, then I believe all heaven comes down and supernaturally begins to work with us to begin to take us to that new level. And we need to, we need to believe that about ourselves. Now, when Jesus was praying for... Um, for the, the lepers in uh, Mark chapter 9, the, I mean the two blind men, you know, the two blind men came to him and Jesus said this to them. He said, according to your faith, what? Be it unto you. Okay? According to your faith, be it unto you. I love the way that the Message Bible says this. Listen to this. It says, become what you believe. Become what you believe. And here's the problem. Most of us don't believe. Most of us don't believe that we could actually be something greater than what we are. Most of us don't believe that we could actually have an effect or an influence on people's hearts and people's lives. Obviously, in ourselves, we can't. But when we start working with a supernatural vision, when we start working with a passion that God gives to us, it enables us to be more than what we could ever be in our own strength. And doing it in your own strength will wear you out. Take it from me. Okay? But when God comes and he challenges us and he says, I want to birth some things through you. I want to give you fresh vision. I want to give you a, a greater capacity to believe that you individually can impact the world. That this house corporately can impact the world on a scale that you've never even imagined. Sometimes we get into a natural mind mindset and start thinking, mm, okay, but I don't know how that's going to happen. Come on. And so God's saying we've got to shift into a supernatural mindset. That's what I love about the prophetic. Because the prophetic comes in and actually starts speaking to us things that either we would never dream for ourselves, or things that, if God's already said that to us, things that maybe we're, we're wondering, how can these things be? Okay. What did Mary say? Okay, that all sounds great, but there's a few natural problems here. <laughs> See, you're talking about me giving birth to a baby, but here's the thing. I have never been with a man. How many know that there's always natural reasons why we can't fulfill a supernatural call? <laughs> there's, always, there's always natural reasons. God calls you to go to a nation. Oh, yes, Lord, I want to go, but I don't have any money. Come on. God calls you to build a mighty outreach, a cause of justice. And there's all these reasons why we come up with of why it can't happen. Excuses are the enemy of your call. And their excuses are always a friend to reason. And sometimes we've got to go beyond reason and into the realm of the supernatural. That's, again, why I love the prophetic. I want to tell you a story about a, a young lady that, I, that we prophesied to and all the reasons why she should never be what she is today. Um, years ago, uh, we went to Mercy Ministries. I think Crystal was even with me um, on this particular trip, probably about 10 years ago. And um, Mercy Ministries is a, it's a kind of a rehabilitative home for young women that have found themselves like dealing with a lot of life controlling issues. Uh, things like um, uh, drugs, alcohol, eating disorders, um, young women that have suffered horrible depression because they've gone through horrific abuse. Um, you know, a lot of different issues like that. And um, over 30 years ago, God gave this woman, Nancy Alcorn, a passion to minister to these young women. 
And uh, the Lord told her, take them in free of charge because I don't ever want anybody to think that you're profiting off their pain. Take them in, minister to them, build them up, and, and, and the Lord says, I'll bless you. And so that's been, I think, maybe 33, 34 years now. And do you know what? She has homes all over the United States. She has a multi-million dollar budget, and God pays the bills. God takes care of the bills. And these girls have gone through massive, massive transformation. Well, about 17 years ago, we started going in and being part of that process as we would uh, bring teams in and prophesy the word of the Lord. Crystal's gone with me many times into Mercy. She's a great teacher, and she's taught there. Um, our other children and different young ministers have gone in with us, and we prophesy the word of the Lord over these young women's lives. And this one particular young woman, her name is Caitlin. When she came into the program, she was uh, she was 14 years old, 15 years old, I think, when she came into the program. And um, her story was that she was horribly physically and sexually abused by her own parents. If I start telling you mercy stories, uh, you'll, you'll get a cause for justice because some of the stuff makes you really angry, okay? Um, because the authorities did not want, because they didn't want the authorities to discover the abuse, she was never allowed to go to school. She was never allowed outside her home. She was basically raised as a prisoner in her own home. When she was 12 years old, she escaped from her parents' home, and her parents told the grandparents she, she died. And so nobody searched for her. And she went onto the streets. She lived on the streets for a couple of years until foster system picked her up and, and put her in a foster home. And at 14 years old, I think she came into Mercy. She was 15 years old when I prophesied to her. And she was one of the most broken individuals that you could even imagine. And... When she came up to be prophesied over, she, um, when, when, they, when they come into the Mercy uh, program, not only are they ministering to their, their physical person, they, they feed them great, healthy, organic foods and get in, getting them healthy. Not only are they ministering to their soul and their spirit man, trying to get the spirit man healthy, but if they're a, a minor, they actually try to help them get back on track with their education. Well, here she is. She's 15 years old. She cannot read and she cannot write, okay? She's not had education at all. And as they start to work with her, the education department at Mercy comes to Nancy and says, you know what? It seems like she has no capacity to learn. Seems like she's completely incapable of learning even the basics of reading and writing. And so Nancy said, well, let's just focus on getting her heart healed, getting her soul healed, and worry, we'll worry about the other later on. So the day came when our team came in and we started ministering to her. And when Caitlin came up for prophetic ministry, she came up with her head down, her hair hanging like a curtain in front of her face because she had so much shame that she didn't believe that God could possibly say anything good to her. Okay? And the first words that the Lord spoke to her were these words. My daughter, I've given you a brilliant mind. I've given you a huge capacity to learn. And Nancy, my dear friend, who'd heard me prophesy for many years, looked over at her education director and kind of slid down in the chair. And she thought, well, Jane's not perfect. You know, she's just a human. She can miss it, okay? You know, <laughs> even Jane misses it sometimes, okay? So this is what she's thinking. And she kind of slid down in her chair, and the Lord went on and said, I've given you a huge capacity to learn, and I'm going to open the doors of education to you, and you're going to go through schooling, and I'm going to give you such an excellence in your study that you're going to be given full scholarships to universities, and you're going to earn multiple degrees. And what I do through you is going to actually affect and change lives because of what I use you for. How many know not one bit of that looked like it was possible. <laughs> Nancy, Nancy, I mean, knowing the girl, she couldn't even read or write. How like God to speak to somebody that's completely illiterate and tell them they're going to do great things for God. Here's the, here's the short version of this story. She gets out of mercy, and the foster family that had picked her up brought her back into their home, and they adopted her 
as their daughter. They actually went through adoption process and they adopted her. And her adoptive parents were rocket scientists. Okay, now I don't mean like, oh no, like they're like a rocket scientist. No, they were actually rocket scientists in the Huntsville, Alabama area that had a high value of education. And they began to, to work with her. They put her through specialized schooling. Mercy worked with it. And the, the two of them worked together. And for the next two years, she went through a catch-up program to where the, by the time she was 18 years old, she was actually graduating from high school through this specialized program, okay? At that point, she then went to local community college to learn things like writing essays and, you know, writing term papers and just learning some of the basics. And after an, a year of that, she uh, took the SATs and a actually ended up scoring the highest score ever in the state. <laughs> I mean, we're, okay, I'm, am I making this up? Crystal knows. Crystal's met this girl. Okay. So in about three and a half years' time, now she is scoring the highest score that's ever been, from illiteracy to now the highest score that's ever been scored. She was given a full-ride four-year scholarship to Middle Tennessee State, where four years later she graduated with a double major in biology and German. Okay, I'm not talking about like a double major in PE, okay? A double major in biology and German, and she got a 3.93 grade point average from a girl that was completely illiterate. Why? Because when the word of the Lord came in, something shifted in her mind. Her whole mind, she believed, you're stupid. You can't do this. You'll never achieve. You'll never be anything. And when the word of the Lord came and spoke to her, something broke open inside of her, and she dared to dream that she could be more. The story doesn't end there. When she graduated from college, one of her professors said, you know what, I would really love for you to apply for this scholarship. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called the Fulbright Scholarship. And she won the Fulbright Scholarship, where she ended up going to Germany and studying with a team of neuroscientists in German. Because as an undergraduate, she had uh, discovered something on the brain that contributes eventually to the development of Alzheimer's. You know where she is today? She's married to um, one of the guys that was her professor, young young guy that was a professor, and she's in Harvard Medical School right now, earning one of those other degrees. Not one thing that I told you did I make up, okay? This is the word of the Lord. This is the power of receiving a vision from God, that God has the ability to take sometimes some of the things that, that have been the most painful things in our life to turn around and give our life purpose. Some of you have been through some painful processes, some painful procedures, some painful things in your life, and God wants to take the curse and turn it around and make it a blessing for you. God wants to give a passion to your purpose. He wants to take your pain and turn it into a passion. Amen? So we've got to shift into a supernatural mindset to believe that that can actually happen. That you can believe that God can actually dream a bigger dream for you than you can dream for yourself. And when that happens, then what we've got to do, the second thing, is we've got to get our heart aligned to our head. We've got to believe, we've got to get our heart and our, our head in a place of agreement to, to properly position our heart. See, I think it's really interesting in this story that Mary's name, is anybody here named Mary? Okay. In Hebrew, Mary's name means rebellious, obstinate, let me give this to you, rebellious, obstinate, and bitter. That's what Mary's name actually means. Isn't it beautiful that God came to somebody whose name means bitter, obstinate, and rebellious and asked her to birth something that would change the world? <laughs> 
How many know that God would love to come down into our places of brokenness, our places of pain, our places of difficulty, our places of hurt, our places of trauma? We actually have a, um, when we moved to our area, it was about an hour's drive to the closest hospital. Now we have a local hospital that's about 20 minutes away. Many people in our community don't know how that hospital came to be. But there was a, a, a young, uh, a, a couple that lived in our community. They, I think they were in their 50s. And the man had a massive, I think it was a heart attack or a stroke, some massive event in his life. And the paramedics came and picked him up and took him to the hospital. And en route to the hospital that was over an hour away, he passed away. And you know what? They, kept, they said to her, if we'd have been able to get him to the hospital sooner, we'd have been able to save him. And so you know what that young woman did in her pain, in her sorrow, in her grief? She went about raising money to the tune of multi-millions of dollars to bring a hospital into our area. See, she took her pain and allowed it to give her purpose. Okay? So some of the most difficult, painful, bitterness-filled things in our lives can actually be that very thing that fuels the vision that God has called you to. Pain can actually produce a passion. That's where justice comes from. Come on, when you see the injustice, when you see the pain in people, it gives a passion for a purpose of justice. And so... We've got to get our heart in position. We've got to let God get in there and deal with the issues in our heart that will get in the way of us actually believing that God's plan and God's hand can be demonstrated through our lives. We've got to allow God to, uh, to kind of breathe life and to move us past our own points of grief. There's not a person in here that hasn't been disappointed. There's not a person in here that hasn't had things happen in their life that they've wondered, why God? Why? How could this happen? How could this be? There's not a person in here that has it all figured out. But I'm telling you, it's in those places that if we'll position our heart, like Mary said, Mary's like, how can this be? I've never known a man. And the, and the, the, the angel says, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow. Do you, have, do you think she had any clue what a Holy Spirit was? Come on. Do you think she had any idea how this whole thing was going to work? And yet, what did she do? She said, be it unto me according to your word. In other words, okay, God, just do your thing, whatever that is. It's a place of ultimate trust. It's a place of letting God go in and heal the brokenness of our hearts so that we can be effective for his purpose. I heard a story. Um, I know that probably everybody in here knows Dutch Sheets. Uh, you may not know that he has a very, very incredibly anointed brother, Tim Sheets, who pastors in the Ohio uh, Valley region. And um, he told a story about um, the fact that he's one of these guys that absolutely loves to watch the surgery channel. Is there anybody here that... See, I personally think it's kind of cool. My husband is kind of like, oh, turn that stuff off, okay? But, you know, you know, where they're showing surgeries. Is there anybody else here? Everybody else in this room thinks that we're nuts. Okay. Oh, that little girl, she's like, yes. Okay. All right. So anyway, he's just fascinated by it. And so he actually had a cardiologist in his church, and he said, hey, listen, sometime when you do open heart surgery, can I come and watch? <laughs> And the doctor said, yep, I can make that happen. So he called him a couple weeks later, and he came in, and he had to scrub up and put the gown on and the mask and the hairnet and the things over his shoes. And he brought him in, positioned him in the operating room, and said, you know, I'll explain what's going on. And so he was doing this, um, this uh, open-heart surgery on a woman, an elderly woman named Mary. And he explained that he had to disconnect the heart from the body and put it on a machine that would keep blood circulating while he worked on the heart. And then they would reconnect everything and then they would take the little paddles and poof, and jump start the heart, okay? I hope nobody's getting queasy. Are people getting queasy? Okay, I'm sorry. All right, and jump start the heart. And so at, towards the end of the surgery, 
when it came the time for him to jumpstart the heart, um, he, he, hit the, he hit the little paddles, poof, and nothing happened. And so he did it again, poof. Still nothing happened. How many know he could have done a surgery perfectly? But if that heart doesn't restart, she's gone. And so at this point, he, the doctor starts to massage the woman's heart, and the tension in the room begins to build, and the pastor's there, and of course he's praying. And he hits her heart again with the paddle, and a third time nothing happens. And he's massaging the woman's heart, and then the pastor saw the doctor do something very interesting. He leaned down, and he whispered in the woman's ear, and he said, Marie, I need you to tell your heart to beat again. And when he said that, boom, 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 boom. See, God never guarantees us that we won't go through our heartbreak or disappointment. But he does say, I can turn your mourning into dancing. He does say, I can take your sorrow and turn it to joy. He does say, I'm the resurrection and the life. And the very things that you thought would take you out can actually be the very thing that raises you up. Sometimes we go through grief-filled situations, and grief is not just when somebody dies. It's when something dies. Some of you maybe have had visions in past seasons that you didn't see come to pass. Maybe you've had some stillbirths of some visions in past seasons. Maybe you had some prophetic things that God spoke to you that you had a good start, but you never really saw it materialize. You never really saw it happen and become what you thought it should be. I'm telling you, God is here today to help position your heart because he's saying it's a new season of birthing. It's a new season that God wants to take you farther than you've gone before. God wants to do more through you than you've ever imagined. God wants to do more with this house than even what's been imagined to this point. But we've got to get past our past. We've got to get past the disappointments of the past and allow God to restart our heart so that it can beat again so that we can dream again, so that we can have visions again. I mean, maybe there's people in here, maybe you've gone through um, bankruptcy in a bad economy. Maybe you've gone through a divorce in a bad situation. Maybe you've gone through things that 10 years ago when you got a prophetic word, you thought, oh, I know how this is going to happen, and it didn't look any, your life doesn't look anything like that now. Matter of fact, you look farther from what you feel like God said than closer. And God is saying today, tell your heart to beat again. Dream again. Hope again. Believe again. Trust again. Because God will do it. So we've got to shift into a supernatural mindset. We've got to get our heart stuff dealt with. And then the last thing I just want to say is that we need to learn how to put a demand on the anointing, okay? We need to learn how to put a demand on the things that God has put inside of us to use them for the glory of the kingdom of God. Now, last year, um, we were, I was in one of our morning times of prayer, and I was walking back and forth, and um, I heard the Lord say to me, set the time. I just heard that phrase, set the time. And I was like, because we'd had Mahesh Shabda had come a couple months before, and he prophesied over our church, and he said, this is a set time of favor. The set time of favor has come to CI. The set time of favor has come to Vision Church. Well, I'm here to tell you the set time of favor has come to giving light. The set time of favor has come over your individual lives. And something the Lord said to me a couple weeks ago, he said, my people need to learn how to spend their favor. So that day when I was walking back and forth and I heard the Lord say, set the time, um, I, I was saying, yes, Lord, thank you that it's a set time of favor. And I heard the Lord say back to me, not set time, I said, set the time. And I was 
kept walking back and forth. I walk when I pray, and I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> if you're not talking about setting the time, you know, uh, the, the set time of favor, I don't know what setting the time means. And so at that time, I, I, I looked at my watch. <laughs> he said, set the time. I just, you know, you kind of instinctively look at your watch. And my watch said 847. Okay. I looked over to the clock on the wall, and it said 842. And I thought, well, maybe God's just one of those people, like my husband, he's got to walk in, like, adjust the clock, straighten the picture. You know, maybe God's just like, oh, this clock is out of time. Please set it. It's driving me crazy, okay? And so I went over to set the time on this clock, and as I was moving the hand forward, I noticed that in the middle of this... um, in the middle of this, this clock, there was something that said established 1847. And it was 847. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And so I continued to walk, and I heard the Lord say again, set the time. So obviously what I just did was not the answer that he was looking for, okay? God keeps repeating himself. It's because somehow you're not there yet, okay? <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know what that means. And I just kept thinking about the fact that it was 847. And so I just, you know, with, with iPads, we can do um, these kinds of things that are a lot easier than in the old days of study. But I started looking up every scripture that had a reference number of 847, and I found three interesting scriptures. That's all. In all of scripture, there's only three references that are 847. One is in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings 847, when Solomon is making his prayer to God, and he said this. He said, Lord, as we're dedicating this temple, if there ever comes a time that this nation turns away from you, and goes after foreign gods, and stops obeying your law, and stops obeying your command. And if there ever comes a time when this nation goes through that, but then decides we've gone the wrong way, we need to come back to God. We need to turn around and repent. And if there ever comes a time that that happens, God, please hear their prayer and forgive them, and change the land. How's that, for, how's that for a word? And that was kind of an exciting word. And then I saw a, a, another verse um, in, uh, in the, there, I saw two verses in the New Testament, and I'm, I'm still trying to process this, set the time. And I saw another verse in, I think it was John 8, 47, which basically talks about how important it is to hear the voice of God. But it was Luke 8, 47 that helped me to understand what God was saying. Because in Luke 8, 47, it's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And remember, she had spent all her money on doctors for 12 years And she heard Jesus was walking through the crowd, walking through the streets. We know the story. She pressed through the crowd, and she touched the hem of his garment. And when she did, it says that power went out of him. And Jesus stopped, and he said, who touched me? And his disciples said, Master, what do you mean who touched me? There's crowds of people pressing in on you. And he said, no, 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 somebody touched me. And he turned around and he made eye contact with the woman. And she was like, oh, I'm caught, okay? (laughs) But she was immediately made whole. And when I saw that, I realized that, you know what? In so many other instances in Scripture, Jesus walked through the crowd and he did that which he saw the Father doing. Isn't that what we've been told? He goes to the pool of Siloam. He heals the, the, the person there. He walks to, uh, he heals the man with the withered hand. He heals the lame man that's on the pallet. He did that which the father told him to do. But on this occasion, Jesus did not set the time of a miracle. The woman set the time. How many times have we been waiting on God? when instead God is waiting on us. John G. Lake said, 
If the Spirit of God doesn't move me, then I move the Spirit. Now, that might sound a little sacrilegious to you, but let me tell you is that that's exactly what happened that day. When God was saying, set the time, he was saying, you're not waiting on me. I'm looking for you to press through the obstacles, press through the barriers, and actually start laying hold of the things that you have need of from me. Come on, sometimes we can really get into this, you know, well, it's just not time for me to be healed, or it's not time for my family to be saved. Or it's not, and I, I'm not trying to, um, to say that there's not a timing from God, but sometimes, really, it's God's really looking for a fervency in us. And I want to take you to one, one last scripture and talking about Mary, and then I'll pray for you. And that is this, kind of coming back to Mary. She birthed Jesus, but she was also the one that birthed him into his time of miracles. Think about it. John chapter 2. The wedding of Canaan. Up to this point, Jesus is 30 years old. He's never done one miracle. Now, I personally think if I was raising the Son of God in my house, I'd have been like, come on, you can just, come on. <laughs> come on, you can do this for me. Can you know? <laughs> you can do this for me. But he'd never done one miracle. And here they are at the wedding of Canaan. And we know the story. The people throwing the wedding ran out of wine. Now, this was a shameful thing in those days to run out of wine at a wedding. It made the hosts look really bad. So Mary comes to Jesus, and she goes, so they, you know, they've run out of wine. And listen to what Jesus says to, to her. He says, woman, what does that have to do with me? I told my son, you ever called me woman. I brought you into this world. I will take you out of this world, okay? So all I can think is that maybe is something cultural there that I didn't get, okay? But he says to her, woman, what has that got to do with me? My time or my hour has not yet come. And look what Mary did. She said, I am your mother. No, I don't think, it's not in the scripture, okay? <laughs> What's that? Yeah, yeah. I am your mother, and you are going to do this because I said so, okay? <laughs> I think it's not in scripture, okay? But I personally think that's probably what happened, all right? And she turned around, and she says to the servants, whatever he says, do it. What did she do? Mary set the time. The very first miracle that Jesus did was not because Jesus decided it was time. It was because Mary said, it's time. And she put a demand on the anointing. We need to learn how to put a demand on the anointing. See, I think God wants to break us out of passivity and this someday mentality Someday God's going to do this. Someday God's going to do that. Someday God's going to... And we need to aggressively put a demand on the anointing of God, on the Father that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, on the Father that holds healing in his hands. Come on. We need to put a demand on that anointing. And so I want you to stand up. And I, I saw Chuck Pierce do this years ago, and I haven't done this for a long time, but, but we're going to do this together because we're going to do a prophetic act, all right? And... Um, we are going to, uh, we're going to let go of the past of giving light. We're going to let go of the, the past. How many know that when you have a baby, your first baby, your life has now forever changed? Your life as you have known it forever changes, right? Okay, so you're, you're birthing a baby as a corporate body, and you're birthing a baby of ministry for each of you or destiny or purpose that God's going to birth through you. So we're going to say goodbye to the past. Okay, so everybody turn around and grab a hold of the past. Grab a hold of it. Take, like, close your hand around it. Okay, grab it. Okay? Now with your other hand, reach out to your future and grab a hold of your future. And this is sometimes how we find ourselves. We're reaching into the future, the destiny, the purpose, the things that God has called us to, and we want to get there, but here's the problem. I want you to say, past, today I let go of you, every sorrow, 
every grief, every place of abuse, every place of trauma, every success, and every failure. I refuse to be anchored to my past that will keep me out of my future. And so today I let go of my past and now I command you past. Okay, now look up here at me. Okay, I command the past to become a foundation for my future. My past will now serve my future. My past will now serve my future. Every failure will serve my future success. Every failure will now serve my future success. Every past success. Every past success will be built on for a new place of success. Will be built on for a new place of success. I will not be limited. I will not be hindered. I will not be hindered. I will have every bit of vision. I will have every bit of vision and every bit of provision that I need to successfully launch into my future. In Jesus' name. Now, we're going to do one more thing. Stay like this. Okay. Now, look, first of all, I want you to see how you're positioned. Okay. How in the world are we going to advance if we're like this? When we get positioned like this, this is what we need. Now, we're going to do one more thing. We're going to speak to our future. Okay? So future. Future. We pull you into the now. We pull you into the now. I'm not waiting for anything. I'm not, I'm not waiting for anything. I am advancing today. I'm advancing today. My destiny is now. My destiny is now. My decisions to advance are now. My decisions to advance are now. I let go of someday mentalities. I let go of someday mentalities. And believe that God is building in me today. And believe that God is building in me today. That which will cause me to be a success all the days of my life. I set the time. I set the time. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you'll lift up your hands all over this place, Father, I thank you right now, God. Each person is believing for different things. God, they're standing in a position, Father, for different with different expectation. There are some people that need healing in their body today. Jesus, you're the healer. And Lord, they're not waiting to be healed, Father. They're not even waiting for somebody else to pray for them. Lord, you can touch them right where they are today and release your healing power. Lord, you can heal our minds, you can heal our hearts, you can heal our expectations, you can heal our physical bodies. Lord, just as Jesus was launched into his ministry of the supernatural, because his mother Mary set the time for that miracle to happen. Today, Lord, we ask that there be a new setting of the time of destiny, of purpose, and of dreams coming true. Lord, we thank you, God, for a brand new season of acceleration and things, Father God, that maybe we've put on the shelf because we've just been too disappointed in past seasons to even look at it or consider it. Lord, we take it off the shelf. We pull it into now. And Lord, we reactivate our expectation to see every good thing that you've promised us come to pass. Lord, I bless this ministry of giving light. I bless each individual that's here, Father God, that's carrying a vision in their life. Lord, they may not even understand the fullness of it. But today, God, there's an activation and a setting of the time, Father God, for this new season of birthing. Lord, we thank you, God, that that which is birthed will bring joy upon joy to our lives and joy upon joy to all those that we touch, God, knowing that inside of us is somebody else's destiny. Inside of us is sometimes even the destiny of nations. And so, Lord, we partner with you today. We shift our mindset, we position our heart, and we put a demand on your anointing today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. I would like to have uh, your leaders come, and I'd like Joel and his wife and Rebecca, the family, to come. And I'm just going to minister prophetically. If you don't mind just standing for just a moment, um, and we're just going to minister to them. Just stretch out your hands.